difficulty when I'm speaking. That was, that was on me, 100% on me. I own it. Thank you, Grayson, hero. All right, so uh, this morning we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. If you're using our Bible, that's going to be on page 986 in the Bibles that we have in the pew. Uh, so you can go ahead and turn there. And what we're doing is we're finishing our final sermon in our series, What's My Calling? And so we're talking about what our calling is uh, in Christ. And we've, we talked last week about going from this place of the lower room of what's in it for me to the upper room of what's my calling. And as we embrace this upper room philosophy of what's my calling, we're saying, what can I contribute? What can I do for the church? And the way that we get there from the lower room is the stair stepper of discipleship. So as we mature as disciples, as we become disciples, we get to experience this place of saying, what's my calling? What can I bring to this place? What can I do? Uh, And that's exciting as we get to embrace our call today. And what we're going to be talking about is being a family on mission. And as always, if you guys have questions during the message today, you're going to be able to text those to 737-231-0605. This message is going to be on the screen, uh, on the bottom of the, the screen, most of the message. And so text your questions. We'd love for, uh, to hear those and for us to be able to respond to those uh, throughout the week. So um, as we embrace this philosophy of being a family member, uh, a lot of us know that we're called to be a family on mission, but we struggle to embrace this calling uh, because family is messy, so we avoid it, to avoid these three things in particular. The first thing that we like to avoid here is suffering, right? So like, I'm messy, I've got enough suffering on my own, I don't want to invite in a lot of extra suffering from other people, so I want to kind of keep everybody at an arm's distance away. I want to keep people away from me so I don't experience their suffering too. Because if you're part of uh, this community, you might just have people say, hey, I might go into labor tonight. Can you keep your phone on loud so that you could come and pick up my baby just in case uh, that happens, which was uh, the case for us last night uh, with one of our community group members joyfully welcoming in uh, somebody into their family. They didn't actually make the call, which was amazing, but also uh, we had to be ready, have the phones on and, and be ready to go pick up their uh, small child in case that did happen. So you could avoid some suffering by staying away from people. So when I first became a Christian at Texas A&M University, I was a junior. It was February 21st, 2011, and I was ready to embrace that call to be a Christian, but I wasn't ready to embrace all of the suffering that might come with that. I wasn't ready to embrace all that suffering, so I kind of kept people away. I wanted to avoid the intimacy aspect. I was kind of social distancing before it was a thing, uh, at least from the Christians in my life. Because I didn't, wa- I didn't want to be rejected by Christians, and you can't reject me if you don't know me. Or if you do, it doesn't really matter because you don't know me. So I'm going to keep that intimacy thing not happening. I'm going to avoid that so that I can't be rejected uh, in a meaningful way. And then uh, the third thing that we like to avoid and the reason we can resist being a family on mission is we don't like to be told what to do. Unless you're one of those real weird people that do like to be told what to do, uh, most of us, we want to avoid the accountability. We want to avoid being in community and all that that means because we don't want to be told what to do. So we we stay away from being a part of the family. And then when we are part of the family, we kind of try to keep it a holy huddle so we don't get on mission uh, and really do these other things that God has called us to do. And when we're not a part of this, like for for me at Texas A&M, I missed out. Like my, my spiritual growth was stunted drastically because I was not a part of a community uh, from the get-go. So like I had this crazy hunger for God's word. I was reading, like I read the Bible in two months and I was just really starving to grow, but I wasn't willing to do it with people. I was starving to grow on my own terms. 
And so this, it was this weird place of like, there is cool growth happening, but also there's a lot of growth that's stunted because I'm not willing to do life in community. And there's over 100 commands in the New Testament, these, these one another verses that we have to be in community for us to be obedient to. So you can't be obedient to all the commands of Christ on an island. You can't just say, well, I love Jesus, but I, I don't want anything to do with this church. That's not a place that we can be. That's not a, that's not a Christian position. And so uh, what we're going to do is we're going to pray, and then I'm going to give you guys a little more context, and then we're going to jump in to 1 Thessalonians 2. Uh, Lord, we want to be conformed to your image. We want to become more and more like Jesus, and uh, we need your help for that. We need your help with that because uh, on our own, we're just going to make it about us. And so would you help us to, to just be still in this moment? Would you help us to fix our eyes and our hearts on you and all that you can do in us and through us? And, and we're so excited uh, just for this day that we have to worship you. Would you help us to fix our hearts on you? Would you help us to set our eyes on you and help us to be transformed by your power? Lord, we love you and we need you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So in this text, we've got Paul and Timothy and Silas, and they're writing to the church at Thessalonica. And they, they went there and they were there for like three Sabbath, three Sabbath days, so a little under a month at, at most. Uh, and they were there, and they were seeing some cool things happen. Um, but, but these people that were strangers to them became really close friends, became family. And then these people, this church at Thessalonica, they were transformed, and they were changed so much that they became an example to all of these other churches. And so this was this amazing thing that happened with uh, this church, that they were transformed and they became an example to these other churches because they really embraced the idea of what it means to be a family on mission. And so as we look at this text, I want you guys to be thinking about what our calling is as a family on mission. What does that look like? So first we see uh, verse 1. For you yourselves know, brothers, that are coming to you is not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. So he says right away, brothers. This is this family language. We see it other places in the New Testament, so I'm not going to make a huge deal out of it. But he's saying, hey, we got brothers here. He's talking to the church, and he's using this family language. This is a big deal. Just because we see it every, a lot of other places in the New Testament doesn't mean we should dismiss it. But he says that our coming was not in vain. Like, you received the gospel, you were changed by it, you really legitimately got it. And he says, you know that we suffered in Philippi, and we were already shamefully treated at Philippi. Uh, what is he talking about there? He's talking about how he and Silas had gone, and they were preaching the gospel. This is Acts 16, if you want to look at it later. Um, and as they were preaching the gospel, they had this uh, slave girl with a spirit of divination there. And she was proclaiming, uh, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you a way of salvation on repeat. These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you a way of salvation. And she keeps saying it over and over and over and over. And Paul gets annoyed, and he casts the spirit out of her. The problem was she was a slave girl. She was being exploited by her slave owners uh, to, to make some money. I'm like, hey, this is our crystal ball. This is our fortune teller. We're going to bring her. We're going to use her to make money. We're keeping all the money. Now that their cash cow is broken, they're, they're mad. And so they bring Silas. They bring Paul before the, the whole uh, crowd there at Philippi, and they get him beaten. And then they get him thrown in prison because they're throwing all these false accusations at them because they're upset that they lost their source of gain. And so even though 
they had experienced this suffering because they were proclaiming the gospel, uh, even though they had been falsely imprisoned, falsely, they, they actually were imprisoned, they had been falsely accused, which led to their imprisonment, uh, they're continuing to proclaim the good news of the gospel because that's what they do. They know that we've been entrusted with this gospel message, and because we've been entrusted with this, even in the face of suffering, we're going to continue to proclaim that good news. This is what a family on mission does. And he says that we had boldness to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. We continued to boldly proclaim this good news, even in the face of pain. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. He's responding to this, these accusations like, hey, Paul and Silas and Timothy, those jokers, man, they're the worst. They've got these errors in their ways. They've got, they're just trying to fool you guys. They're, they're trying to mess with y'all. And so the same thing that happens when we have any space from our community Satan, the accuser, comes in and he tries to change the story. He tries to warp people's motives so that you're turned against the people of God that you're meant to be living life with. And so these other guys are coming in and they're trying to undercut Paul and Silas's ministry by saying all the things that they did wrong. And he said, hey, guys, you remember us. Like, we were there with you. And we lived life and we did this the right way. So we weren't doing this from error. We weren't doing this from impurity. We weren't doing this with any attempt to deceive but hey, we were approved by God and entrusted with this gospel, and that's why we speak. Not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. So as we embrace our calling, if we're doing it to please man, if we're doing it to get the pat on the back, we're going to be continually disappointed. You can't please God while you're trying to please man, even doing great things for God. If you're trying to please God while you're also trying to please man, you're going to fail you got to choose one. And so what he's saying is we've chosen that we're going to please God and we're going to forsake all of the things in us that want to please man, all the things in us that want that pat on the back, want to say, hey, great job, buddy, you did it. Because we have to have, we have to be right before God because he's the one who's going to test our hearts. So as you embrace your calling, church, look to God. He's the one who's going to test your heart. Look to please God, not to please man. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed, God is witness, nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. Uh, they weren't buttering them up. They weren't telling them all the great things that they could do uh, so that they could get some sort of gain. They, weren't, they didn't have this pretext for greed. They weren't prosperity preachers saying, hey, fill up the, fill up the author, offering box, let's go. Uh, they weren't seeking glory from people. And even though they could have made demands as apostles of Christ, they didn't. Even though they could have said, hey, we're bringing you the gospel, and we want to be as effective as possible in this time, so you've got you to provide for us a place to stay. You've got to provide for us food. You've got to provide for us some sort of payment. They're not doing that because they want the gospel to be pure as possible so that nobody can bring this accusation forward. And they, they recognize this calling as apostles. They're sent ones of Christ. Paul especially was uh, a special, had the special office of apostleship. But all of us that are family members have this. Uh, we are sent ones of Christ that get to be family members on mission. And this is where this passage really comes to life, where we see the family thing really pop. So, so if you kind of zone me out for a second, that's okay. Grace for you. Uh, but here we go. Wake up. 
Grayson, you with us? All right, he, he, he naps sometimes while I preach. That's okay. All right, so th- this is it. Listen up. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. They had this tenderness about them. So I, I went, we went and saw uh, my buddy Lee and his uh, wife, Erin, their baby, this week, and it was like a two-day-old baby that we got to hold, and that thing is like frail. You're like always like, you kind of freeze even if you've had kids because they're just, they're so small. And that same kind of gentleness that you have to have with that baby is what they brought to this church. They, they cared for them like a nursing mother. Like, they didn't care for them like we did holding the baby. They cared for them like Aaron taking care of her own child. Like, that kind of self-giving, self-denying, uh, I'm in it for you and you alone, and I'm, I'm going to give of myself, I'm going to deny myself because I have this great care for you, this great affectionately desirous of you. Th- this is like gushy language that makes me uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable to say it out loud uh, because I, I, I want to say that I feel this way for, for my people, for, the, for this church, right? But like, th- these are tough words, like, affectionately desires, like I love you, like a nursing mother caring for her children. Uh, and, and I'm not just going to share with you the gospel, like the good news that, that changes you from uh, dead to alive, that Jesus came, lived the perfect life we could never live, died on the cross for our sins, rose from the dead so that anyone who believes in him could have eternal life in his name. Not just the gospel, but also our own selves. Like let's get elbow to elbow. Let's get shoulder to shoulder. Let's do life together so that you can be transformed by seeing, hey, this is the real deal. This is legit what's happening in this brother. This is legit what's happening in this sister. And these people had become very dear to them. You had become very dear to us. Out of nowhere, these guys had, had become dear to them, where a month before, they didn't even know them. So they went from strangers to friends to family, just like that, as they cared for them and saw them grow. And... Um, the first point that we see here is that family members joyfully suffer to grow the family. Family members joyfully suffer to grow the family. As we seek to see growth in the family of God, there's going to be suffering. That's just the reality. There's going to be difficulty. We're going to run into things. So, uh, and we can relate this, like Paul did, to a nursing mother. So uh, we've got a daughter. She's almost 15 months old, and she's amazing. This is Karis, our daughter. Uh, and and those, this is like first day, first week. Uh, we're exhausted in these pictures, right? We're, we're losing sleep because all this baby can do is eat and sleep and poop and cry and on repeat, right? And so, so she's very demanding, this little tyrant right here. She's very demanding, and she needs a lot of things here, um, but, and she's not contributing a lot to the family. So we could be like, hey, pull your weight, come on. But that's not what happens. Instead, what happens is that we joyfully suffer to grow the family. We joyfully suffer because that's our girl. And there's nothing that I wouldn't do for my daughter to see her grow. And in the, in the same way that we joyfully suffer to grow the family, like through childbirth and caring for a very needy little person, uh, sometimes we suffer when we share the gospel. So this is my buddy, uh, Lee, and he's not a part of a biker gang, but he uh, has a family of bikers. And so this is a kind of a fun picture of him where... Uh, he came to our church first time in November 2019. Um, he gets connected to a community group, uh, and he's enjoying that. Uh, they go the first time. He's not a Christian. Uh, they go for the first time. So picture this, not Christian and not really living for Jesus, uh, fiance, 
uh, go to the community group. First time there, it's like a hymn night. No music, just like words singing. They're like, that was very strange. I don't know what we're going to do here. Uh, okay. So I talked to him the next week at church, and I'm like, okay, I, I re- recognize this guy is not a Christian, and I recognize that I need to share the gospel. And, and I'm going to say this, like, I, I'm a gifted evangelist. Like, I, I, that sounds very arrogant, so I'm going to just say, I know that one of my spiritual gifts is evangelism. And even, even as someone who has a spiritual gift of evangelism, every time I share, there's this pit in my stomach of like, this person's going to run away, they're going to punch me in the face, they're going to just like reject me completely, and they're going to tell me how stupid I am and all these things. And like this, this thing of like wanting to please people and not be like that weird pastor that runs all the non-Christians away, uh, like wells up in me that I've got to get past before I can share. And so I'm, I'm praying and I'm looking for that opportunity, that window to share with Lee. And he starts to open up about his life and his past. And he tells me that he's been a part of this group, Narcotics Anonymous. And he tells me that the first step in that group is surrendering to a higher power. And that he's done that and it's changed his life, but he doesn't know who his higher power is. And I'm like, that's the window. That's what we need to do. That's where we need to go. And, and so I let him finish his uh, story telling me all about his life. And then I'm like, hey, can we go back to that higher power thing? That's like fascinating to me. I was like, I, I know my higher power. My higher power is Jesus Christ. And like, I know that my righteousness is found in him and his perfection that he's given freely to me because I believed in him. And I know that he's taken all my sin, my past, present, and future sin, and he's already paid for all of that on the cross. And that's why he's my higher power. That's why he's my God that I serve and I surrender to and I submit to. And, and then I ask him, do you, do you want to believe that Jesus is your higher power today? And he says, yes. And so December 12th, 2019, Lee becomes a child of God. He's adopted into God's family because he's believed in Jesus Christ. And so he goes, thank you. He goes, he goes from this place of far from God to in the family of God uh, through this gospel proclamation that was, that was awkward. It was like I fumbled through some things here. And, and as much as I really would say like, oh man, it was just this incredible thing. Like it, it's not me, guys. Like being a gifted evangelist, even I, I, I said that like, it's just being available for God to use you, right? And, be, and success in evangelism isn't like your conversion rate. Success in evangelism is sharing the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results to God. And so God, ten, God loves to bless that when, when we're faithful to share this gospel, when we're faithful to share uh, with, his, with people that need to know it, need to know him. And so uh, we see that family members joyfully suffer even, even the times that, like, it doesn't go as well, right, so that the family of God can grow. Uh, I shared the gospel this week with somebody for the third time. They're still not quite there, um, and, and we're, we're going to continue to meet and talk, and it's, it's not going to be like, a, hey, you've got to believe for us to, to be friends, but I'm still going to be your friend. We're going to meet. We're going to talk. We're going to talk about a lot of things, and we'll have this gospel conversation within that, and, and it's part of us uh, Growing is part of me being faithful with the people that God's placed in my life of, I just want to keep sharing. And I, I share that because it's not like every, every time's a layup, right? It's not like every time that you share, uh, God's got like this perfect spot of like, hey, I've already surrendered. I just don't know who to yet. And, uh, and so, but sometimes God does bless you with that, and it's pretty amazing. All right, verse 9. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil... We work night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. 
So he's saying, again, you remember, brothers, family language, that we had this labor and toil that we would work night and day. We, we're working, running pizzas while we're also sharing the gospel. We're, we're taking that night job so that we can share the gospel in the day, or we're taking that day job building tents so that we can share the gospel at night. Uh, they're, they're working so that they can bring the gospel free of charge. And they don't want to be a burden to the people that they're sharing the gospel with. So they're bringing the gospel for free, and they're continuing to proclaim this gospel. And he's saying, guys, you remember, you saw it yourselves. This, they had this great example for this church. How holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. He, he's saying, hey, we, we did it the right way. You saw it yourselves. You guys remember us. We gave you this example. And then he's going to go with this family language again. You know, for you know, like a father with his children. They've got this fatherly love for these people. We exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. What do, what do dads do? They give us a great example. They model and they challenge. So they exhorted. They're giving them like kind of tough words of encouragement, like, hey, get it together. Let's go. I want to call you into holiness. They're encouraging, like, hey, you're doing a great job here. Keep it up. Let's go. Uh, and then they're charging. Again, this is kind of like the tough words of like, I'm, I'm leading you into godliness because I want to call you to live in a way that's worthy of God. Uh, they want their people to walk worthy of God because God is worthy, because God is holy and blameless. So they're calling them into that. And we're in this series, What's My Calling? God calls us into his kingdom and his glory. He calls us to live in a way that reflects his goodness. And so that's exactly what they're doing. They're calling their people to live this way. And, and what we see here is that family members model and challenge growth. They, we live the right way, and we challenge others to uh, step up and do the same thing. And, and this is especially the heart of a father, right? Um, I've got a bunch of men that I would consider spiritual dads in my life. Uh, the most recent example of this, I'm going to go with uh, Chris and Joseph. And they're both older than me, way older than me, so we can go there. <laughs> and Chris and, Chris and Joseph, uh, they, we do this preaching practice every week, and they've always got, like, some, some feedback. And I might be a little callous sometimes when it comes to preaching practice feedback of, like, okay, I've heard it before. Like, I don't have my message fully memorized or any of that by Thursday because it's probably going to change a lot after Chris gets a hold of it. And so I don't want to memorize too much and then have to go back and, and fix things, right? And so, like, it's kind of like a half, half run through, and it's like, you really got to really internalize this thing. You really got to go for it. Let's, let's really see it this time. Um, and that can be hard. It can be hard to receive that if you don't believe that these people, these, these, your spiritual father, uh, really has what's best for you and what's best uh, for your effectiveness in mind. You, there's a lot of love, a lot of trust that you have to have for you to be able to receive that and for you to grow from it. Um, but in the same way, this is how dads love. This is how, what dads do. They model and they challenge growth. And so, uh, again, with Lee and Aaron, they had moved here from uh, Oregon, and they had taken this job with Blue Jeans, which is like Zoom, but better. Their words, not mine. Um, and, and they had taken this job, and they were excited to, to, to be here, um, but they moved here from Oregon, so out of state. Uh, so there were these, these issues that as he was a Christian, 
uh, like they were like imminent, like things that were going to come up and we were going to have to talk about, like living situation, sleeping situation. Are you guys with me? Like I had, I had to have an awkward conversation of like stop having all the sex, okay? And so like I don't, I don't want to go there, but, but I know that like if I'm going to call my friends to love and follow Jesus, I'm going to have to have some awkward conversations, and, and that can be a, a dividing thing. Like, I've had that conversation, and then the people have said, uh, peace out, but without one of these fingers, and then never talk to me again, okay? And, and that's happened. And, and because that's happened, there's like this, like, do I go there? Do I have enough relational equity to go here yet? Or are they going to, uh, like, never talk to me again? And then I blew it with this person that I, I really love and care about. And so... Um, they asked me to do their premarital counseling. They, they joined our community group uh, at this point, and, and they're growing, and we're seeing this exciting thing happening where, where they're growing, and they're just they're really getting it. And then when it comes to this, we kind of bump that week up in our premarital agenda. Uh, and before we get started, they're like, James, I want to talk to you. Like, we've, we've felt convicted about uh, the way we've been living, and we really want to live right before God. And so we have made some changes and so basically, long story short, God went before me in this conversation, and they had made all the changes that I was going to ask them to make before I talked to them. And so God, God here's God showing off, doing all the work uh, before I even get there, uh, because I'm just a fearful turkey uh, that's not willing to go there yet. And I was trying to just really make sure it was, it was going to work out. So then they, they get married, October 2020. Uh, and they, they've got an amazing marriage. They, they just had a baby, which I shared way early in the sermon on accident, but that's okay. Uh, so they just had a baby. We got to hold it this week. We've gotten to celebrate that. But and, and as I was talking to Lee this, uh, this week, he was like, I was like, man, I'm so proud of you. I, like, I, I'm so proud of the way that you're, you're doing this. Like, seeing you with your kid, it just, like, blew me away. Uh, and he was like, it, it really is different this time uh, because I'm living right before God. It really is different this time because we're doing things the right way. Uh, and so there's this great gratitude welling up in Lee and this great, uh, like he, he knows it's different. And he's enjoying fatherhood in this way uh, that he didn't the first time around with his, with his older daughter uh, because he wasn't a follower of Jesus when he had her. And so he's, he's excited and we're excited about that and we've gotten to celebrate uh, seeing his family grow there. Okay, so we've seen that uh, family members joyfully suffer to grow the family. We've seen that family members model and challenge growth. And we're going to see one other thing from one piece of text here, uh, 13 through 20. Here we go. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you, believers. This is how you become a member of God's family. You receive God's word as the word of God. It's not just like, hey, I'm coming and I've got a lot of great opinions, but it's, hey, I've got the word of God with me and receive it. And the way that you become an example to the other churches is that you have that word of God at work in you, believers. You're transformed by that word of God. It changes you. And this is why the news of their faith had spread like it did. For you, brothers, another family word, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out and displeased God and opposed all mankind. So if you guys remember at the beginning of this passage when he was talking about them, he was saying, like, you're like a, a, 
a nur- I'm like a nursing mother and you're like a child. And they, they put themselves in that position. And then they went to like, uh, like a father exhorting, encouraging their children. And now they're saying, hey, you became imitators of the churches of God. So they're now at this place of like co-laborer in the faith because they're not just uh, living the right way. They're also suffering for Jesus. And they have this great joy in suffering for Jesus with Paul and Timothy and Silas uh, because they're experiencing this suffering from their countrymen, the Jews, who had ran Paul and Silas out of town. Um, and, and these are the guys who displease God and oppose all mankind. And what, why do they do that? They do that by hindering us from speaking to Gentiles so that they might be saved, so as always to fill up the measure of their sins. But wrath has come upon them at last. They're seeing some judgment towards those people. Basically, Paul is saying, these guys are the ones that kind of try to keep us out of here. They try to keep us down. God's taking care of them. I trust him. He's got it. Um, wrath has come upon them. I'm not seeking vengeance. God's got it. And we can, we can trust God in the same way with people who oppose uh, gospel ministry here. Um, verse 17. But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. He's saying, but since we were torn away from you, we, we had to leave. We were, ran out of town. Family language again with the brothers. For a short time, in person, not in heart. Uh, they, even though they can rip us away from each other, even though there can be this thing that isolates them from one another, they're not going to be uh, separated in heart. They still love their people, right? Um, and they endeavored the more eagerly with this great desire to see them face to face. They're saying, hey, I got to see you face to face. This like Zoom church thing is not working for me. It's like, we got to get together in person. We, we can't do this distance thing anymore. Uh, even though my heart is still with you from afar, I need to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you. So he's saying, hey, we, we, wanted, we were torn away from you. We didn't want to leave. We eagerly, eagerly, with great desire, wanted to see you face to face. We wanted to come to you. Like three times he's saying this. And then he said, hey, me, Paul, again and again, like I wanted to see you because I love you. But Satan hindered us. We weren't able to. So he's really underscoring like, I love you. I care about you. I need to see you face to face. And what we see next is more gushy language that should, should give us pause. And, and I've seen it uh, and it, even though it makes me uncomfortable, I, I, I can resonate with this. This is the way that you feel about the people that you love. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our j- glory and joy. So he's saying, hey, what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting? This is like, this is family language times 10. Like you are our hope, our joy, or crown of boasting. The thing that like gives us joy and boasting in our soul is this like what God is doing in your life. And, and as like people who are leading you to Jesus, we're pointing to Jesus at his coming, that our blessed hope is Jesus, that he's coming back. But, but as we await him, we boast in what God is doing in you. Uh, for you are our glory and our joy. It's, it's very similar to the way uh, you look at your children that you love right? They're your glory, your joy. There's this, this crazy connection that you have that you want to see them win. You want to see them get it. You want to see them grow. In the same way that Paul, this is the same way that Paul felt about his church, this church at Thessalonica, that 
and, and there's, a, there's a quote that kind of captures this. It's uh, from Bob Buford. It's, my fruit grows on other people's trees. And it's this idea that, like, the thing that's most satisfying for me is not, like, what God does and, like, how I can show off how he's worked in me, but how I can show off how he's worked in you. And, and that's what brings me the most joy, seeing you get it, seeing it click for you, seeing it change your life. You are our glory and our joy. And so this is, this is what we do. Family members celebrate the growth of loved ones. And um, as we see children become young adults and co-laborers in the faith, uh, going from like spiritual infancy all the way to like co-laborers right alongside you, uh, we celebrate that. We celebrate the growth of loved ones. And uh, I'll give you a really bad example of this, and then I'll talk about a little bit of a better one. Uh, the really bad example would be my son. So I've got a three-year and almost four-month-old son. Tomorrow's three years and four months. Uh, and he is a bully. Like, he will push his, his little sister down, who's like a year and three months. Like, he, he goes after her. And so she'll, she'll walk, and she'll, she, she isn't walking, which makes me very angry. Uh, but she isn't walking because her brother's a bully. Because every time he sees her walking, he pushes her down. And, and he doesn't, it's like he, he wants her to do the things, like when he sees me walk with her, holding her hands, he wants to be walked and held her hands, but he doesn't realize, like, oh, you can actually walk on your own. And then when he sees that she's actually gaining that independence where she's able to walk on her own, he wants to push her down. Because he wants her, he, he doesn't celebrate what she's doing. He wants to stay better and bigger in all the things than her. And so he, he wants to push her down to keep her down. And the heart-wrenching part of this is that we see this in the church, that as people are growing and we're seeing gifts being developed in them and and they're starting to walk and and we don't want them to walk, we're going to kind of just give them a little check and knock them over. And and this should not happen. And there's nothing that makes me more angry at my son. I didn't know I was even able to get angry at my son until I saw him push my daughter. Uh, there's nothing that makes me more angry than seeing him hurt his little sister. And so I, while there's a ton of grace for that, uh, I can only imagine how uh, the Lord feels about that when he sees us uh, being so petty about such things uh, with one another. We should celebrate each other growing. We should pray and see God gift this church uniquely and differently and see people pass us up in certain areas uh, because God's going to gift them differently. And that's a good thing. That's going to make our church healthy. That's going to make our body here healthy where we're able to thrive because we're using the gifts that God has given to our church to grow. We're using the gifts that God has given to our church for us to thrive. So stop pushing each other over. Celebrate each other. All right. So what are some things we got to celebrate with Lee and Aaron? I, I got a, a number of things, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rattle them off real quick. So uh, about 15 months after accepting Christ, uh, Lee was baptized, and I had this great joy of baptizing him alongside his wife, Erin. Me and him, uh, me and her got to baptize Lee, uh, and this was exciting. I've got, gotten to see Lee grow as a disciple who makes disciples. He, he didn't know what a disciple was. He's grown. He's been through disciple. Ryan Sass took him through disciple, invested in his life, and now he, Ryan is coaching him along as he's making disciples. And this, this is an amazing thing that we get to see God do uh, through faithfulness there. And then uh, 
my wife, who's invested a ton in his wife, uh, got to baptize Aaron uh, alongside Lee uh, about 15 months ago. So like March this past year, uh, this happened. And this is this huge celebration to where Aaron had grown up in the church but hadn't been baptized. She was waiting for all the stars to align perfectly, like get all the family here. And then with COVID stuff, that just made it really clear that that wasn't going to happen anytime soon. Her grandpa was getting older, so she was like, I just got to do this thing. Let's, let's do it. And so that was the reason for the 15 months, but we don't need to necessarily go there. Okay, a lot of things that have been worth celebrating have happened, right? We've gotten to see um, just, uh, they got married in October 2020. They, they just had a baby. We got to hold the baby uh, this week, this Wednesday. Uh, baby Grayson got here. He's adorable. Uh, I don't have a picture for you because I didn't want to just put the picture up and make it seem like I just went to see the baby to put a picture on my slides, but that's okay. Uh, so what we have is we have, uh, they had a baby, they got married, they got pregnant, they had a baby. We got to celebrate all these things with them. Uh, we got to celebrate Lee and his daughter, Melanie, came down for the summer, and she got to come and be a part of our youth group. And, and we got to share the gospel with Melanie. Lee and I both shared with her, and it was cool to see this guy, who I had led to faith, share the gospel in tears with his daughter. And like, he was like, I don't want to pressure you. I don't want to hurt. Like, I don't want to make you feel any certain way. I don't want to force you into this. But like, this has changed my life. And you have to hear this. This, this has changed my life. And so uh, Melanie heard the gospel, uh, I think, three separate times from, from uh, me, her dad, and me, and then us again uh, one, one last time. And then before she went back to California to stay with her mom, uh, we got to pray with her to receive Jesus. And so Melanie is now uh, a child of God. She's now in the family of God because we celebrate that, right? We celebrate what God is doing in his church. We celebrate what God is doing because he is changing us. He's changing our lives through this. And and so this is this incredible thing that we get to celebrate together. And so um, I've got two questions for two groups of people, and then we're going to bring this thing home. We got a really exciting day today. we're going to celebrate a baptism together, but we're going to stay on track here. Are you in God's family? If you're not a Christian, like my, my plea with you is this, that you would, you would believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose from the dead. Uh, there's this verse in John uh, 1, John 1, 12. It says, but to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And so how do you become a child of God? You believe in Jesus Christ, what he's done for you that he lived the perfect life you could never live, that he died on the cross, the death that I deserve, the death that all of us deserve because of our sin, and that he rose from the dead. That's our only hope. And so if you're not in God's family, would you consider Christ today? And second question is, is your family on mission with God? Uh, Maybe you're here and you're not a part of a community group. Maybe you're here and you're in between community groups. Maybe you're here and... Uh, you're, you're not really happy with your community group for whatever reason. And I want to challenge you to, to commit to your community group, imperfections and all, uh, because the same heart of, like, this is my hope and my crown of boasting, I see that in our shepherds. That's the way that they love their people. I see that in our elders. That's the way that they love our people. I see that in the pastoral staff, the staff here, as well as uh, our deacons here that there's this, this self-giving love of what we want to see is, is your growth in Christ. And that's going to happen best if you're connected to a community group. And so 
uh, is your family on mission? Will you join a community group, and will you be on mission with that family? And the reason that all of this, like, resonates so deeply with me is that, like, this is all of our story, right? That while we were, we were strangers, we were far off, God saw us, and he made a way for us to become friends, for us to become family, for us to become adopted into his family. Not so that we could just get zapped into heaven, but so that we could be on mission with him here. And so would you be part of a family on mission here? Would you be changed by that? And um, as we think about that, uh, I'll, I'll share one more thing about Aaron and Lee and their, their story. Um, they got a call from Blue Jeans a couple months ago. Um, the guy who kind of wanted them to move here to the Austin office uh, was no longer with the company, so they had the option to move back to Oregon if they wanted to. Uh, that's, where, that's where Aaron's family is. They have a great support network there, and so they got the chance of like, and they, they love their family. They got the chance to go back if they wanted it. And, um, and so they had a big decision to make of, of what are we going to do here? And, and what they ended up deciding is that like, as, as much as they would love to be at home with the family in Oregon, that their, their family is here. That they, they love their family here. That they're connected here. That they've seen God do incredible things here. And they want to continue to be a part of that. They want to continue to see what God might do as they stay connected to their family on mission here. And so as, uh, as we remember Christ and what he's done for us today, uh, we're going to remember that with two special things this morning. First, we're going to take communion together, and then we're going to see a baptism. And I'm so excited for both of those things. Um, but before, before we take communion, uh, I want to ask you to take the next 30 seconds for you to uh, confess, confess your sin to God and, and seek to be right with God before uh, we take communion together. So take these next 30 seconds and then I'll, I'll close us in prayer. Lord, we love you. We know that we're not adequate to um, take communion because of our own strength, but it's only because of the grace of God that you've shown, that you would shed your blood for us, that you who knew no sin would become sin on our behalf so that in you we could become the righteousness of God. We thank you for that sacrifice that you made for us. We remember you. In Jesus' name, amen. The second, what it would look like for us to embrace this call to being a family on mission. That we would embrace each other, even in the mess, even in the suffering, even in the difficulty of being imperfect people that bring a lot of junk to the table. Imagine being a part of this family. That we would be able to see what it means to really belong to the family of God. That God has adopted each of us where we are mess and all, and that we would be able to love each other 
that we'd be able to show each other the kind of love that God has shown us. Imagine that, what that would do for your own faith, what that would do for you as you realize that God's promises are true. As you grow in this family to realize all that he is, that he's worthy of all of our worship, that we would fix our eyes on him as he is coming. Imagine what that would do to this city as people know that we are his because of our love and they see that lived out through our community groups that love each other even through the difficulty. We would change this city. We would change the world. So go and be a people who live as a family on mission. You are sent.